Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does anyone still wear a hat? Yes, I do, because my hair looks horrible. Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Jake has a What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, I know this has nothing to do with musical theater or the arts, but what is going on in the ocean? What are are the orcas actually banding together to like wreak havoc? What's going on? There's like some crazy algae thing growing that's like poisoning seals and making them go nuts and bite people like hello is the ocean okay Uh, no thank you Uh, anyway let's dive into this week's broadway world recap because mama there are some things that we need to discuss you guys rent in concert at the kennedy center this casting is insane we just got the announcement that ali stroker miles frost jimmy harrod Andrew Barth Feldman and Alex Boniello are all going to star in the production of Rent at the Kennedy Center. I I can't even tell you how excited I am about this casting. Ali Stroker as Maureen. It is about damn time that we see someone who is differently abled play a character like Maureen in Rent. Ali Stroker is in a wheelchair and she is going to absolutely slay this role regardless of her physical ability. I, I cannot wait to hear her sing this role. Miles Frost is going to play Benny, which I think is perfect casting. Andrew Barth Feldman as Mark. I mean, I honestly think he's a little young, but I do think he has the chutzpah, the charm to carry it through. I mean, Alex Boniello as Roger. Come on. This is going to be amazing. And since it's a concert version, I feel like there's going to be extra focus on the vocals and the storytelling. And I'm just so excited about it. I can't wait to see how this goes. Oh my god, and it was just announced that Lorna Courtney is joining the show as Mimi. Y'all, who is going to play Angel? I, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Stay tuned. I, of course, will update you as soon as I know. Next, you guys, we have to talk about the casting announcement of Bryce Pinkham returning to Little Shop of Horrors off-Broadway as Orin the Dentist. You guys, this show is so, so brilliant. I didn't get to see Bryce do it, so I'm very excited that he's coming back to play this role. I did get to see him as Monty in A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder on Broadway, and he was absolutely sensational. Um, But I really, really want to see him sink his teeth, (laughs) pun intended, into The Dentist. So congrats, Bryce Pinkham, on returning to the show. Next, we have to talk about the casting announcement for Moulin Rouge on Broadway. Casey Cott of Riverdale is going to be joining the show as Christian. And I have to be honest, you guys, I I don't know who this man is. I don't know who Casey Cott is. He's very handsome. Hello, Casey. Uh, but I, I'm not super familiar with Riverdale. So I hope that he is able to match sort of the vocal ability of the previous people who have played this role. I mean, Aaron Tveit and Derek Klena are both fantastic vocalists and they turned it out for this show. So um, I hope that Casey is able to um, bring something new to the show while also maintaining the, the vocal chops. You guys, we also just got a first look on the Broadway World Instagram at the Who's Tommy being revived at the Goodman Theater in Chicago with my friend Aaliyah James in the ensemble. The photos are 
insane. It looks so, so beautiful. And I do believe that they have hopes to do a Broadway transfer, which I would be over the moon about. The show looks absolutely beautiful and I can't wait to get video footage very soon. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure we'll be seeing it on broadwayworld.com. Next, you guys, in a bit of sad Broadway news, this week we lost one of the most iconic lyricists and songwriters in the Broadway canon, Mr. Sheldon Harnick, at the age of 99. Sheldon Harnick was a Tony and Grammy award-winning lyricist and songwriter, best known for writing the lyrics to incredible musicals like Fiddler on the Roof, Fiorello, She Loves Me, and so many more. His collaboration with composer Jerry Bach won him the 1960 Pulitzer Prize for Tenderloin. And aside from all of these accolades, he was notoriously a gemmy gem of a person in the theater community. So rest in peace, Mr. Sheldon Harnick. We will forever remember you and your legacy. And this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. She is a star of the stage and screen, most notably originating the role of Gloria Estefan in Broadway's On Your Feet. Please welcome Miss Anna Viafanye. Hey, oh my god, how exciting. Oh my pod. Oh my pod. Oh my pod. How are you? I'm like great and it's weird because I'm great and I question it every day. I'm like, wait, we <laughs> aren't allowed to be great. I'm like supposed to be struggling. This makes no sense. <laughs> We're so conditioned, but I just um but yeah, I'm good, man. Incredible. I'm like waiting for the others to drop it and good. Yes, classic. Where where are you calling from? So I am calling from my apartment in New York. New York City. Um, I'm spending baby. as much time in New York City. I'm like trying to spend as much time here as humanly possible uh, whenever I'm in town. Um, I love, I live in the East Village and I like love how weird it is. Oh, yeah. I walk out and it's like, you know, like I, I, there's all the little people and I feel like Belle. I'm like, there goes the baker. Except it's like, <laughs> there goes the packet. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the darker version of uh, that one scene in the opening of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Amazing. It's fun. Yeah, so you are, you're kind of in and out of the city because you are a busy bee, ma'am. Tell me about what you got, what, what's your most recent thing that you've just done? I mean, you are not only a Broadway star, but you do Broadway. TV and film all over the place. I do. I do. It's weird. Sometimes I have to check myself and be like, oh, like you're really like you're an actress now. Like, it's not like we're trying. <laughs> like, we're, we're, do, we did, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. I, I mean, since let me think. OK, so the last thing that I did was shoot my first film. And yes! so I'm very excited about her. Yes, um, tell us about it. If I'm not mistaken, this is this is Alina, right? Alina of Cuba. Yes. Yes, which was now renamed, mind you, it's been renamed like thrice, Work. Um, which, listen, I live for the drama, but um, <laughs> it was originally supposed to be named after her autobiography, which it's based on, yes. which is called Castro's Daughter, and then... Exactly. One of the producers calls and, and he's like, well, we're going to rename it Alina of Cuba, La Hija Rebelde, because we don't want her to belong to him. And I was like, fierce. I'm on board with that. We love the liberation aspect. And then as soon as we finished the movie, they're like, yeah, but also the name Castro's daughter just has such an Im like impact. It's so obvious. It's so clear what we're talking about from the get. Right. Um, and so I think that marketing wise, they just decided to go back to that. So it's now called Castro's daughter again. And it is, uh, I play Castro's daughter <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, Castro is played by James Franco. And so we spent all of last summer basically working on it and we were filming in Colombia. Yes. and yeah. And I feel like it's weird. It's like, you know, theater, I get like that immediate, not, I don't know, just immediate feedback. Of it's course. not about applause. It's not about whatever, you know, it's just, it's just a, a connection that exists in the moment. And, and I thrive off of that. Right. I mean, you know, as a theater queen yourself. Yes. So it's like, it's very, um, foreign, this, this little aspect of, of waiting. I'm not a patient girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of, it's, it's weird. It's very, very different. And a couple of my friends and my peers and like my 
I guess like community who have been in the same spot have been really helpful. Like randomly Rachel Zegler and I have the same stylist and like we were just like talking about it one day at, at Sarah Slutsky's studio and we were just like, she was like, I was depressed basically after shooting West Side Story because that, that period of waiting where your life literally hinges on this one thing yes. <laughs> is, is a lot, you know? And so, so that's kind of been where I've, where I dwell these days is in that waiting period kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like exciting, but also just terrifying. Totally. I mean, you touched on it a little bit already, but I, I wanted to ask you sort of what like the difference is for you between being on stage and, and working on, you know, TV shows or, or on a, a movie set, because like you said, it's, it's, it's waiting in so many different aspects. You have like the <laughs> ready set, hold on a second, we have to fix a light over here or something. Correct. And then, you know, yeah. on the flip side of it with, with theater, you, you do get that instant connection, that gratification yeah. from an audience where you can hear if your jokes are landing or if you're yeah. making an impact. Like I would just love to hear um, how you navigate that. Like how, how did you learn to make that shift? <laughs> I think, you know, I think I'm still learning. I think that the, the, in essence, like the storytelling part for me is the same, right? I think that it's just, I love humans. I think we're all just insane uh, in the best way. I say that like the, in the most respectful way possible, because it's like, we all are these like little worlds, right? And, um, and and how do we all coexist basically is storytelling. Like, it's like, what happened to this one little world and how did it affect all these other little worlds? And so um, I think that in terms of breaking down a character and getting into like the nuances and the specificity, which is what I love. And this is my second time doing a, a biographical piece, mm -hmm. you know, um, a woman that I met, a woman that was on, you know, in, in terms of Gloria, she was around throughout the entire rehearsal process and performances and um, now is like a dear friend. And then in terms of Alina, she was on set the entire time, wow. you know? So, yeah. So it's like all those specific things that make a person a person. Um, I find that really exciting and really uh, it like gets me going, you know, it gets me all, yeah. it gets me tingly. <laughs> and so, so I think that's the same. Um, I think that it's just generating the same energy is different because when you're shooting out of order, for example, like, you know, when you're doing a show, if, you know, when we're doing Chicago, like the, the, the action, the narrative is linear and you're on that wave and it can kind of carry you through. So it'll bring up the emotions when they're supposed to come up, because if something happened in scene two, cut to scene four, you're going to feel the reaction from scene two, Absolutely. right? Whereas you have to kind of really be, um, in the driver's seat of your brain and your emotions when you're on set, because you have to bring those out almost out of thin air. Right. right? So you have to, be, it's a different sort of preparation. Although I think that thankfully coming from the theater has been helpful for me because I work on things as if they are play or as if they're going to be on stage. So I worked on yeah, the, the Castro's daughter script and on um, Alina as a play, including the things that I'm not like, there's little girls who play young Alina, you know, in the beginning of sure. like, the exposition of the film. And I included those scenes in what I did with like my acting coach who went to Yale school of drama. Her name's Adina Verson and is, was the perfect person to go through this with, um, who I did a show off Broadway with actually. Of and, and we, we used even those scenes that the actress Anna was not in, but that little Alina was in, in order to create that like evolution of a human. So that then by the time we did get to my scenes, all of the baby girl scenes did inform my performance Absolutely. still. You carry those traumas and whatever. Absolutely. So, um, and you kind of, I think yeah. I, I would say that you have to sort of take it upon yourself to do that research and to yes. do that work because you know, you need it in order to be able to pull it out of you at a moment's notice. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And I also, I booked this movie when I was in, I booked this movie in 2018. Wow. And I didn't think it was going to happen because of the pandemic and just the world. And listen, I am not an Epo baby, so I'm not, and I'm not <laughs> shaming that, but it's just like, you know, when, when opportunity comes, like you either have to rise to the occasion or 
take a seat and be comfortable with the fact that you're going to be watching absolutely yes (laughs) period well yeah so obviously we have i have so many things to ask you about because we met doing chicago the musical on broadway which was like the wildest experience of my life that was my debut and you were my first roxy hart um and i of course have to ask you by the way you were sen oh my god you are very, very I, kind. I, I mean, I was just like, it was a match made in heaven. I was elated to just be in the building. But you also obviously did on your feet. But before I ask about those things, I'm really interested to hear about your upbringing and um, how your childhood maybe formed who you are as an artist. You are a beautiful, proud Latina woman. And I would love to hear about how that culture and, and your upbringing has informed who you are as a performer and an artist. Totally. Um, Well, I grew up, uh, my family, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and then my family moved to Miami when I was five. Mm. Um, My dad came from El Salvador when he was 16, and he um, is, you know, he's an engineer from Georgia Tech. Like, he, like, was highly educated, my mom, too. Um, but he, you know, racism is a thing. And so, uh, he couldn't get a job, uh, in Georgia in the 1980s. Um, who knew? I mean, (laughs) even now, (laughs) what are we talking about? But, um, so, but Miami is such a fascinating little place because it has, um, I don't know. I was kind of raised in a space where, I was given the the freedom to have the audacity to see myself, uh, I guess, in a, in a different way, yeah. right? And, and to have self-esteem and to have confidence mm-hmm. because I saw it all around me, you know? So my father went from not being able to get a job that he deserved in Atlanta to being exactly where he deserved in Miami. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was like really powerful. And, it, you know, you think about, uh, I, I, at least when, when things happen nowadays, like in the country, like politically, and, uh, I, I get sad for anybody raised in an environment where they're told that they can't, or where they're told that their access to being the fullest version of themselves, uh, does not exist. Right. So I have the opposite. Um, You know, I was raised in an environment where it was like, it wasn't weird that I was Latina. I didn't even realize I was like, I don't know. I didn't realize I was quote unquote other Uh until I moved to LA and until I was asked to change my last name in order to start working. And until I started noticing that like the auditions I was going in for at 18 years old when I didn't know anybody in LA um, were all like just stereotypes that I didn't identify uh-huh. with because I came from a place where like Latin people are not um, the minority. And so it was a really big, it was a very interesting like learning process, I think for me. Um, but that I think is how I, I'm very grateful for that. And it's been more and more on my mind recently, I think uh-huh. just how grateful I am that I was not bo- like that. I was not raised to feel like, shamed for who I am because then I have that audacity to step into a room and be like yes I do deserve to be here thank you absolutely (laughs) and I feel like it's it's now more than ever it's so interesting because um I mean you mentioned it you know like people asking you to change your name or to to lean a certain way to either play into or out of a stereotype and I think Mm -hmm. more and more we're seeing um that like your your presence in the room should include who you actually are, you know? And so um, I would love to hear if there is um, a difference for you or or if you have an opinion on playing a role that is written as a Latina character and for a Latina person to play um, versus a role that could be anybody and you just happen to bring your own personal self and heritage to a role like, like Roxy Hart. I mean, I thought it was just so fascinating that, you know, to reopen the show after, after this crazy pandemic and everything, you got to be the first Roxy and you were, it was you and Bianca Marquine, two Latin women. Like I I was just, that was so, so exciting to see. Um, so I'd love to hear like how, yeah, yeah. How, how has that experience been for you? Um, I think it's been, 
I think it's been uh, layered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's that part of me that's, you know, always anywhere that I go, I bring myself, like you said, right? Um, I think that sometimes there's the expectation to perform more of my culture. And I think if the script calls for it, if the character calls for it, if it's if it makes sense socioeconomically, if it makes sense in their history, if it makes sense for their time period and their setting, mm -hmm. let's do it. But if it's gonna, if you're gonna arbitrarily ask me to brown face, right. um, then like not so much, right? Yeah. And also, I think, and then on the flip side of that is also like my worldview and my perspective makes me the artist that I am, right? And so I can also play a, you know, a role that is not inherently Latina and maybe my levels of empathy or just like my, again, my worldview can inform the level and the nuance that I can bring to that character and to that story. I think it's all really, really specific on writing. Like I have a, a very huge respect for writers and I read scripts like pretty much every single day. And And if it keeps me engaged, you know, like if I'm like on page six and I want to start checking my phone, that's when I know that it's not for me. And there's somebody else out there yes. who you can call and who's going to be wonderful and who's going to really want that part because nobody wants, like nobody wants any of us at 30%, right? right. And so, um, so I've learned to navigate that in a, in a really like honest way and to look at myself and be like, do you want this part or to do the work or do you want you know, the press release and the headline and just to like go to the bank. And that's, and that, I think that's where it gets like really, um, I think that's where like, I'm definitely grateful that I have worked enough where I'm not like, you know, needing to take a, a job that I'm going to be like half-assing. Yeah. Um, but I think especially when it comes to culture and for anything, when it comes to authenticity in general of a human, Whether that means it's a cultural thing, it's a racial thing, it's a, you know, uh, a gender thing. Like, I think that if it feels inherent to you and authentic to you and you feel like, oh, I need to tell this story, I feel that responsibility and this, like, draw to tell the story, then do it. Hell yeah. You know, and, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. The end. <laughs> <laughs> The end. Well, I would love to hear about your road to Chicago Broadway because... There was so much, I mean, like speculation and, you know, is it going to happen or how, how long do we have to wait before we can bring theater back? What was it like to, um, to audition through COVID to rehearse and, you know, have to wear masks backstage? Right. I mean, that's, that's like when I met you was, was still, we were masking when we were off stage. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was the Wild West. Um, <laughs> you know, during COVID, I was I was auditioning a lot, and I actually worked during COVID, which was great. I did the final season of, of Younger with Sutton Foster yes. and Hilary uh, Duff and all that, and so that was a blast, mm -hmm. right? And so, and then when, and then I shot a pilot in LA, and and right around the same time, I got a call from my agent and they were like, we just got an offer for you to go into a show. They didn't say what show at first. They were like to go into a show to reopen Broadway. Um, are you interested? And I was like, yes. Are you kidding me? Like, I love being on stage. I'm, I'm at, I was craving, I think we were all craving community and craving just to do our things and to be anywhere, right. to be honest. Right. Like I would do a freaking back, Backyard production of whatever. <laughs> like after COVID, we were all we were all really hungry yes. to connect. I think as well, right? And then when they said it was Chicago, I was like, "Wow, well, that's kind of iconic." And I had never thought about it. And I've also never, I've still to this day, I've never seen the show. Right. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, wait, that sounds kind of cool." And so they asked me if I wanted to play Roxy or Velma, um, and I called, <laughs> I called Lynn Manuel Miranda, mm -hmm. and I was like what do I do here? And he's like, oh, Roxy all the way. Period. And I was like, great. And so we did it. And, and it, I honestly, I, it, I had so much fun 
regardless of the hoops we had to jump through in terms of the testing, in terms of the, you know, the masking, it was kind of like, and I, and I felt this collectively from everybody, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you were in the building. Um, everybody was kind of so down. Like there was such an energy of, we will do whatever. We will jump through all the hoops that we need to jump through in order to be, to be here, to be working. Yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent. So it was really kind of amazing. And it ended up being so magical because Walter Bobby, of course, who's the director never comes back to teach people the show, but he did. And so we were in a studio for weeks re I guess like putting the show on its feet again. And people who had even been with the show for years, uh, were relearning what they already knew. And then for me and the three of us that were joining the company for the first time, we were being taught as if it were brand new. Um, so it was kind of incredible. Yeah. You know, like, because all the, I love rehearsal. I yeah. love like being in a studio and, you know, with the mirrors and all the things and you're sweating. And <laughs> I, like, I love that part of the process. Like I, I like the getting your hands dirty part. And then it's almost like performing is the icing on the cake. Totally. You know, by that point, it's almost like the reward. Right. Um, so I'm like trying to tell myself that maybe that's what it's like to make a movie as well, that it's like filming the actual thing is the rehearsal and that's so fun. And then like the reward is when it comes out. You get to see I don't the know. final thing. I, I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that, that COVID really reestablished um, for a lot of us just how much we love the thing. Yeah. And to do the thing and how we're kind of willing to... Um, to do whatever it takes, to do whatever is necessary to... To be up there. Yeah. And it was just amazing. The energy was out of control. And I mean, Even the, that group the of people, the, the group of principals. Yes. I mean, just, just to hear that I was going to do it with you, I was like, what the hell is going on? But like Tom Hewitt, yeah. Elias White, like all of these yeah. like insane, you know, just Broadway yeah. vets. It was, it, was, yeah. it was crazy. But it was like electric. Like you it said, was, you could just feel it. It really was. Well, <laughs> obviously I loved getting to do Chicago with you and your portrayal of Roxy Hart, but... The time has come. The audience is chomping at the bit. We must hear about your star turn as Gloria Estefan in On Your Feet on Broadway. Tell me about, I mean, even just the the casting process alone for this, as far as I can tell, as far as I have gathered, was insane. What was it like to get the call that you were going to be Gloria? Well... First of all, it was my first Broadway audition, right? Right. And so I fly in from L.A. I audition for Jerry Mitchell. They give me the callback, which was the following day, which was for Jerry, Sergio Trujillo, Nick Scandalius, everybody at Nederlander, um, and the Estefans, right? right? And it was terrifying. <laughs> just little known and I basically Estefans. Yeah, just a couple, couple casual people. <laughs> um, and I left, when I left the studio where the callback was, I started just aimlessly walking and I tell my friend, I was like, we need to meet up. I need a drink now. (laughs) And so I'm walking downtown and I guess from getting to Midtown, I walked all the way down to meatpacking and I was right around the Gansvort. Um, And my phone rings. And at the time I was not based in New York. I was based in Los Angeles. This was maybe 45 minutes post callback. Right. and, and it was Telsey's office and they told me that I had gotten the part and I lose it obviously. And I start crying. Uh, and the next day I, I flew back to LA in the morning and I had two weeks to move out of my apartment and my entire life just went completely from one day to the next. It completely changed. Oh my Completely God. changed. Like, like it happens like it actually happens like I was in shock I was on that plane and I like still couldn't wrap my head around what was going on but that that's the story and I was 24 and it was just the most ridiculous reality and the most ridiculous like chain of events and circumstances also right after the first audition like round one um with Jerry it was Apparently, everybody had been talking about this girl that came in to to audition for Gloria Stefan. 
And so that following morning, I'm thinking, okay, well, before this big Broadway callback, I'll have like the day to myself and I can like go to the gym and I can like walk around and like, just like infuse myself in New York. And obviously I was like, I'm such a nerd. So I was nonstop listening to to her because I had to sing like her for the show. Um, So I'm like listening, listening, listening. And then I, and I get a call from the people at Telsey and they're like, oh, uh, can you come in for Lynn? He's doing a new show. It's like super random, but it's about like one of the founding fathers um, of like the country. And like, they did like a show at the public and now they're going to transfer to Broadway. But like, they heard that you were in town and, and they'd love to see you. <laughs> so the afternoon of the callback, I was on Ninth Avenue getting a bite to eat. And I was like, okay, I'll go in. And I go into Bernie Telsey's office and I sing from In the Heights for Lynn Manuel Miranda, Alex Lacamoire, Tommy, like all of the what people in the of Hamilton. Is this crazy? Yes. And nobody knows this. Yes. And I go in, and, I, and they were like, "Do you have um, your book?" I'm like, "What book?" <laughs> they're like, "Well, do you have like your book, like the music that you sing for auditions?" And I was like, "No, because I came in to sing Gloria Stefan music, so I, I mean, I have that." And they're like, okay, um, do you know other like musical theater? Mind you, all these people are now my friends, which, so it makes it even more hilarious. <laughs> yes. And they're like, so they're like, do you know like other musical theater songs that you know you can sing right now for us as an audition for this thing that, mind you, was fucking Hamilton? Right. And I was, like, I was like, oh uh, yeah, for sure. And so I would look at Lynn, and I was like, well, I know Heights. And so I sing, uh, it won't be long now, I think, or breathe. I'm not sure. One of the two. And Kurt Crowley was at the keys who, again, literally I sang at his wedding years oh later. Oh my God. Um, and I sing, you know, the In the Heights song and I like walk out super awkward. Like <laughs> I think that I wish I could, I wish I could pay to have a recording of the moment when they asked me for a book. And I was like, what are you literally talking about? <laughs> But I walked out and apparently like the rumor or like the, I don't know, the fable is that when I walked out, Lynn was like, well, we can't cast her in Hamilton because she's going to be Gloria Stefan. Period. Isn't it wild? That is so wild. And I mean, you know, just obviously the fact that now you're like friends with all those people is totally hilarious, but. It's bananas. It's bananas. I, mean, I they, guess they, you they, have they Lynn and like, well to thank for speaking it into the universe that <laughs> <laughs> you were going to be Gloria. So. Yeah. It's like you. He willed it all. <laughs> exactly. So was your first time meeting Gloria in your callback? Yes. Yes and no. So, okay. Stay with me. So I went to a really uh, random, you know, I went to a, like a Catholic elementary school and my older sister was in the same year as Gloria Stefan's niece, Jenny Stefan. And one time, I guess they were at a party or something, and the niece had an asthma attack, and my grandfather's a doctor, so they came to my house, and my grandfather took care of Gloria's niece. I was maybe like in third grade or fourth grade. Um, Fast forward, Emilio's brother, who is Jenny's father, (laughs) uh, came to my house to thank my family, to thank my, my parents and my grandfather. And he was like, Oh, we know that, you know, that Carmen, that the little, your other daughter is a singer and like a fan of Gloria. So here, this is for her. So I was like a thank you for my grandfather saving Gloria Stefan's niece's life, I guess. Um, they gave me a signed headshot of Gloria that was like love and luck. Um, Gloria Stefan. And I remember, I can see it in my head. And I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever received, right? I then met her kind of like as a fan at an event because of her niece. Uh-huh. And um, then it was the callback. So, wow. <laughs> so, so yes, it was the first time we met that she knew my name, yeah. <laughs> but she was very much part of my life. Wow. Like, way That's so insane because then... You not only got to play her, to, to work alongside her in the rehearsal process and to get to ask her, you know, personally the, the questions about yes. herself and her life. But like now you guys are are actually 
close friends. Like that is just such an incredible journey from signed headshot to Mitch. (laughs) We're, we're in the room together doing it. Us like pow- well to to her getting mad at me one time we were at, they have a, a house uh, in Vero Beach which is like a little north and it's beautiful they also have a, a hotel up there and one of I I don't know what year it was it might have been like her birthday weekend of 2018 or something and we all were over there and we're like in the backyard and cut to it went from sign headshot to her like getting mad at me as like a friend being like you're not drinking why are you not drinking. <laughs> Like it's ten in the morning. Like I, I understand it's your birthday weekend. I promise I'll start drinking at like noon. <laughs> yeah, oh my she's, god! She's amazing. So did she? I mean, I'm sure that there were just you know tons and tons of like meetings and talks and you know questions that you had for her. But like, were there any huge um, takeaways or or big like? moments of advice that she was able to give you in your process of creating this role? For sure. I think, um, she, she was very big on trusting me to, to make discoveries and to not be like a micromanager, Uh uh, which I appreciated. Um, and I think the one thing she was very clear on was to not like ad lib like to let the records just be the records and to sing them without trying to like, you know how sometimes, <laughs> maybe like, I think you're going to get what I mean. You know, how sometimes people like sing the national anthem and you're like, that doesn't sound at all like the national anthem. <laughs> yes. And it's just way too much of whatever they're trying to put their, you know, their sauce on right. it. And it's like, listen, pick two spots, do two ad libs <laughs> and that's it. The rest of it, you just need to give us, oh, say, can you see and sing the fucking melody. <laughs> Um, basically she said that to me. Yes, great. <laughs> she was like, you know, my songs are like my babies and I, you know, if, if that's the one thing that I'll ever really ask of you. Um, the, o- the other thing was just not to play the victim when it came to her surgery. Uh-huh. And that was, I think when we were bonded for life was that conversation because, um, I assured her that I would not be doing that, um, because of my own personal history with like physical, uh, things and my arthritis, which I'm super open about with people. And, um, and when she found out about that, I thought she was going to immediately be like, Oh great. Now we need to recast for somebody who's not like broken. Uh Um, but instead she was like, Oh, so I can trust you. And I was like, and it was really liberating. So I think that that's the space that, that it all kind of came from, but that's exactly why I respect her so much. And that's exactly why I was able, I think to honor her with, um, I don't know. Like, I think there's a difference between like ego. Everybody has ego. Right. And like, we're actors, like we're gonna like that's Hello. Like we're showing up to, <laughs> for people to watch and clap and all the things we know what we're bringing to the table. Of course. But, um, but it was really, really cool to be introduced to this whole world and especially to Broadway and especially in a Broadway commercial hit approaching it from a place of humility and approaching it from a place of like this ain't about you Anna Uh this is about her this is about them and I think that that was only able to keep going and I was only able to like sustain all the years that I did it because of my respect for her as a human being because I knew she wasn't a shit person I could go to work and be breaking you know Eight times a week of a show is hard. Broadway artists, are you, I mean, you know, like it is insanely difficult just just to sustain that schedule and just to like put your whole life on hold. And it's like, you know, you are putting your body through the ringer and you are putting your mind, like it's a lot. And Anna, you did it for so long. I mean, like you, you (laughs) were able to sustain it for what? Was it three or four years? I mean, so it was technically three, I would say, because we, you know, because like my process with it was about was more closer to four. Yeah. Um, but you know, we had a little space of time in between. Like the lab when I joined was October of 2014, mm-hmm. and we closed on Broadway in August of 2017. So three years. Yeah, three years. Wow. Yeah. How did you? The whole how did you? Um, learn to 
have the stamina. I mean, that was your Broadway debut. This was your first Broadway show and you were the lead yes. who is also a real person. And you're not just singing, you're also right. dancing the house down boots, shimmy, shimmy, kickball, change. Like yes. what, how did you go about approaching this gigantic mm-hmm. show physically? Babe, trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I had no idea what I was signing up for. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I had no idea that you need, like, I don't know, protein. Um, <laughs> chicken. <laughs> chicken, whatever. Like, I was, you know, I, I was figuring it out as I went along. And I, and I have to think all the time back to that. And I'm like, okay, like, I... I'm proud of her. I'm proud of that little girl who had no idea what she was doing. I also didn't know anybody in New York City, you know, so it was very lonely, actually. Um, It was a very lonely chapter toward the beginning because my only identity was in that theater. Yeah. Um, My only existence. And like, if I was on vocal rest, you know, I wouldn't speak. Anna did not exist. Like, Anna really took a back seat for three years. And it was like... I didn't speak or I was in press talking about Gloria or I was on stage being Gloria. Like that was it. There was no other, um, there was no other, uh, I guess, connection to myself other than what I needed to do in order to do the next show, what I needed to do to get through the next show, what I needed to do to get to the next day off. And even then the day off was fashion week or whatever, or like whatever event that I had to do or, um, so it was it was a lot and I'm so grateful because I had a cast that ended up really and and not only the cast of the show but like surrounding casts going back to even the Hamilton conversation like um people took me under their wing I think people did recognize that I was so incredibly out of my element <laughs> um and that I was throwing myself so deeply into the show and throwing myself so deeply into her Um, And I think that that's where Broadway and the theater community in general, because like Broadway is Broadway, but like there's also off Broadway and, you know, just the theater community is so respectful of each other because we all know it's hard. Yeah. So I came into it and it wasn't like, you know, that energy of like the Tanya Harding, like somebody wanting to break my knees. It was the energy of like, oh my God, are you sleeping? Yeah. You know, like I remember Jesse Mueller being incredibly kind to me for no reason. She didn't know me. You know, I was a stranger to all of these people. And Jesse Mueller, Patina Miller, these are icons mm-hmm. who I look up to who were incredibly kind to me and incredibly helpful and um, and who really kind of like went out of their way to make me feel at least a little bit more safe, I yeah. think. Um but yeah, you don't know when you're 24 and book your dream gig, you're not and move across the country. Right. Like you don't know that you need an ENT, an acupuncturist, a nutritionist, <laughs> a this and that. Like you need to do your laundry at some yeah. point. Like you can't just do anything. There were days where if I hadn't done laundry or I had I hadn't like sent it out or I hadn't done it myself or whatever, and I would just have to buy things. Like I'd be like walking home from the theater and like you know like I don't know like H and M is open or whatever I, or Zara. I would go in and just like buy clothes and stuff because I, you yes. know, who has You're time? Right. <laughs> that is so <laughs> true. It's so wild. You kind of, I had um, a friend of mine, Hannah Shankman on the pod and she, um, yeah. she used the phrase golden handcuffs, which I think is such a, yes. a brilliant way to describe it because it really is the most amazing and fulfilling thing. And it's also, uh, it can be all consuming. You, you, your entire yeah. life can very easily slip away from you and, and you have to dedicate your entire self to maintaining a show for eight times a week. But, um, and I, I'm sure that having your own personal experience with the actual Gloria Estefan, you know, was, was praise enough for you in this role, but you were nominated for an outer critics circle award, a drama league award and a stare award. Like what was it like to, to be making your probably debut, but, have it be so critically acclaimed, you know? I mean, like, so, so well-received. Um, It's so funny because I was about to say something on this point. Um, It was overwhelming. You know, it was very overwhelming. I was very grateful, but at the same time, it's hard because you can't watch what you're doing, right? right? 
um, by now I've seen like 93 people do this. Like I've seen the show a million times in a million languages and, and all the things, but, but at the time, you know, it's not like you can actually like see what you're doing. You can only feel mm-hmm. it. And then if other people are feeling it, it's just like, what? Like, it's incredible. But, um, it felt, it felt great. I had some issues at the time going on because I felt almost like guilt I almost, it was almost kind of like a version of like survivor guilt, I would assume that, you know, um, and, and that's when it started to get a little like more dicey. Like I did have certain people saying certain things and whatever. And then like when the Tony nominations came out and I didn't get one Mm -hmm. and the New York times runs this story about how me and Audra McDonald were snubbed and it was just like. What? Yeah. First of all, that's a Tony in and of itself. Just to be in the same sentence as Audrey <laughs> McDonald um, in terms of caliber of like what we're doing as right. artists is, I mean, okay, bury me with that on the tombstone. <laughs> like, and then she was incredibly cra- uh, classy and sent me flowers and sent me a a note um, because this was during the like three minutes that Shuffle Along was still yes. open. Um, and she sends me a, a handwritten note and she said something about how, um, the awards mean nothing and how, uh, I already am doing the thing and whatever. And it was, and it was beautiful. And I have it, like, I have it like in a shadow box with like the dried flowers and whatnot. Um, but you know, it's, it's tough because like, obviously this is an industry, Uh right? And again, we're talking about making commercial theater. Some of the most groundbreaking theater I've seen is not on Broadway and is not commercial theater. Absolutely. Um, and to be like loved, I think is such a powerful drug, mm-hmm. right? And I think that it's so beautiful and you also have to acknowledge when it's, okay, thank you. And, and, and I need to just keep going and keep doing my job. Like, do I love the accolades or do I love getting Good up, job. going to hot yoga, doing a two-show right. day. <laughs> um, and look, sometimes, some days you're like, there was. there's one quick change at the top of Act 2 of On Your Feet that every time I think about it, I have to laugh because I was standing there with my arms outstretched. They're doing a full top to bottom, including a wig, like all a complete change. And into pants. It was never dresses. <laughs> and I'm... And and my, meanwhile, my dresser, a saint who literally kept me alive during all of these years, Sarah Darniel, she is holding my water bottle like a little hamster <laughs> and, and like suckling the water. And it's like maybe eight seconds, this change. Um, and and I remember during that change, always being like, why am I here? <laughs> why am I willingly doing this? Because <laughs> I'm like that dry heaving, mm-hmm. right? And immediately after that change is the entrance into the song, Get On Your Feet, at, which is, you know, it's the top of Act Two. It's like a big medley of concerts and whatever. And I'm doing her original choreography and all that stuff. Um, and, it, and it was immediate. As soon as I would step onto that stage and be like, get on your feet. I was just like, oh, this is this why. This is why. You know, the answer was so immediate. Yes. Um, so that's the only way I can, I think, uh, answer that question. Like it felt incredible, obviously to be, to be respected by my peers. I think the drama league awards were my favorite. And now I've been nominated. I've done the drama league awards now twice, which is amazing. Cause I've literally been on stage in New York three times. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, my, my first drama league award was for on your feet. Second was for collective rage. And, and it's, you know, everybody gets to speak and everybody who gets nominated, who gets, you know, honored that year, um, has like their moment of, of acknowledgement and whatever. And I feel like that, that was the one where I was like, man, this is really an incredible group. It's really an incredible community. And it really, really felt that way for me because I don't think I would have made it. Like I'm a super sensitive person for as much as like the whole like boss bitch, like whatever (laughs) energy comes through. Um, I'm very sensitive and I'm, and I I was very alone and I was very like, I was self-medicating a lot and I was really, really afraid to like, this is, this is a word here. I was afraid to jiggle on stage because I was always in a crop top. So I was like really unhealthy with like my lifestyle um, and, and I was carrying it well, 
you know, because I'd show up on a red carpet and nobody could tell me anything. Correct. But I go home and I was, you know, taking edibles because I couldn't sleep and I was, you know, using Z-Quil like way too much. And, you know, it was it was a lot of uppers and downers in order to just get through. Yeah. Um, and the only time I felt safe or normal or okay was on stage, uh-huh. which is why. Yeah. <laughs> dangerous and and, but how amazing that you have the clarity and the perspective now to be able to look back and be like okay that's not sustainable that you know like you you and that's what's exciting too is you know yes you learn and that's the thing right like i feel like you know a long career and like a great career of work that i'm proud of is i'm so grateful to like be able to say that that's my literal life like what Um, but I also am excited because every time I finish a project and every time I go on to the next one, I can apply everything that I learned, whether it's from the experience of doing said project or from also the, the roles themselves. Um, because that's been an interesting thing to look back on too, is I can track where I've been in my head and where I've been as a person on like my own journey with all these people that I get to play. Yeah. And it's like kind of like inform each other it's really really cool it's really interesting that is so cool yeah well i also you you mentioned him briefly but we must talk about you know the king of broadway mr lin-manuel miranda because you got to play nina (laughs) in in the heights at the Kennedy center what was that experience like you know that experience was absolutely incredible it was such a star-studded cast and it was you know at that exact point, I had, a, again, I was shooting a pilot in LA when I heard about that one. And it was a similar scenario. They asked if I wanted to play Vanessa or if I wanted to play Nina. And I, my instinct was Nina because I wanted to park and bark. I wanted to like <laughs> not be the hot girl. I wanted to be like the more soulful, nerdy. Like I was like, well, Vanessa is such a no brainer from Gloria. Like it, it made, it, I, I felt like I was being called to challenge myself more to, maybe show people a side of myself that they weren't already aware of um, with, with Nina. And, and it was amazing. I mean, my entire family got to come out to see it. And um, I remember my my publicist and also worked with Ben Platt and it was the same weekend as the March for our lives. I want to say, because those, those, those Kennedy center jobs are like quick and dirty. You are are just like, and um but it was great because there were so many young people in dc that weekend because of the march for our lives and ben platt i think was speaking at it or something and so he came one night and like and it was just it felt really good to be seen as a singer um not only as like you know the hot girl thing or like the you know i don't i don't know how to explain it like it 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 was a sense of validation that i think I really needed at the time and I got to do it with like most of my friends like all of the like half of on your feet was in it Crazy. <laughs> and then it was like Anthony and Vanessa uh Anthony Ramos and Vanessa Hudgens um and it was just like it was just like a ridiculous <laughs> it was so fast it was so fast and there was so much going on for all of us every single one of us um I'm speaking now specifically for Anthony Vanessa and I we were going through a lot of things in our personal lives, like in our love lives at that time. Oh my God. And so it was super dramatic. It was like one of the most dramatic that, that, that contract, I like wish I could do it over and be less distracted, but like I had a boy show up at our hotel. It was, it was wild. Yeah. It was, it was one of the most dramatic like weekends ever. Um, But you know, we were all like in our twenties and like just, kind of living the dream and we're just like I had my dog Anthony had his dog I don't know that Vanessa had her dog yet it was we we all like it was wild it it almost felt like college like if <laughs> if like if on your feet was like real life like the, the 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 in the heights Kennedy Center experience felt like what most people must feel when they're like in a sorority or Dorms. something it was just super dramatic Super, yes, it was like fast and dirty, and like we were just like, okay, we're doing a show. Like it was, it was a lot of theater. Oh my god, theater, iconic, exactly. Okay, well, I 
just adore you. But before I let you go, I have to I have to ask you this series of rapid fire musical theater slash lifestyle questions that I ask all of my guests. <gasps> Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm you don't sorry. Have to say sorry. sorry. No. No, but I know what I'm saying and I know that it's might be wrong, but it's just I have my first show ever was Joseph. Yes. And then I got signed in high school because I did an all-female production of Cats where I was Grizabella at 17 years old. Yes. So I have a spot. I mean, I even Starlight Express, give me AL dub all oh day. Oh my god, hell yeah. I don't yes. care. I'm gonna let my freak flag fly on that. You heard one. it here first, folks. Um sweatpants <laughs> or jeans? Sweatpants. Do you have a favorite musical? Rent. <gasps> Love. Do you have a least favorite Forever. musical? That's why I live in the East Village. Oh my God. Wise, like, the rioting on Avenue B. Exactly. I've romanticized the, the East Village my entire life. And so finally I was like, it's happening. <laughs> Do you have a least favorite musical? Mm, pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Yes. 100%. Fabulous. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Both. I hit a slump like at three. Like an, or like around now. Like this is like when I nap. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, a, I like extremes. Yes. Um, what is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Mm. <laughs> the craziest thing a director has ever asked me to do um to stop thinking so much and just focus on looking young <laughs> i wish I was oh you. my I wish iconic yikes um golden age or contemporary golden age do you have a favorite role that you've ever played um, and is it Grizabella at age 17? <laughs> it's definitely not. I wanted to play Rum Tum Tugger so bad. <laughs> uh, favorite role that I've ever played. I think I'm going to say Gloria. Love. Yeah. Well, I have her on the line and she's very happy to know that. <laughs> did say. Um, I weirdly spoke to her lawyer this morning, but anyway, <laughs> I'm dead. Um, Coffee or tea? Tea. Matcha, green tea, coconut, milk. And don't you forget it. <laughs> don't you forget it. <laughs> what is the hardest show you've ever done? Well, I guess I should expand that. Hardest project that you've ever done? TV, film, or, or musicals? Um, ugh, it's tough. If I was more ready for certain <laughs> projects. It wouldn't have been so hard. I made it so damn hard on myself. Um, I think I'm going to say Alina because um, on top of everything else, I had to be malnourished for it. um, And that was like, that was really hard. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Do you have a favorite costume that you've ever worn? There was a, a onesie, like a, like a, like a, I don't know, unitard ish. At the end of Collective Rage off Broadway um, for MCC, and it was paired with these ridiculous like knockoff Valentino shoes that looked like mermaid scales. They were like iridescent and like teal, um, and I had really long nails. And it, there was like a fur jacket that was probably one of my favorite costumes Work. for sure. And I had to, like weep in it, mind you. That character was wild. Oh my god! I but, need to find yeah. some some video footage of that (laughs) um do you have a dream role i mean i have a lot of like what i would call senora parts that are dream roles like for like when i'm way older you know name above the title all the things mama rose yes um norma desmond i feel like those are my two those are my two Love it. But again, I know I'm aware that it's not for now. <laughs> and lastly, what is one thing that you would tell younger Anna? I would tell her she's enough. I love that. In bold caps, underlined. Italicized, <laughs> sparkly yes. letters. 
You are enough for sure. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the pod. This was so fun and you are an absolute dream. I just adore you. Please, thank will you, you tell like, like. Oh, you're so sweet. Will you tell the listeners where they can find you on socials and where they can find your projects on the TV? Absolutely. Um, I am at Anna Biafania Official on Instagram and now on TikTok Ooh. because I am. Oh, yes. She deleted her Twitter because she said Elon who? <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and I got a TikTok literally when I tell you like a week ago. So she's a baby on there. But um, but yeah, on the Instagram. And then on in terms of shows, I mean, I'm trying to think New Amsterdam is currently on Netflix. Uh, Castro's daughter will be coming out soon. Um, and you know, the other things that I can't really talk about yet, but yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, you and are soon to be on stage across the pond. Yes. Iconic. Very exciting. Oh, yes. I love you so much. Thank you, Thank you so you. much for being here. Mwah. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Also, feel free to send me emails at ompug at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.